0: So the question is, can you still have school in the middle of a surge? And the answer is you can, because if people are vaccinated, teachers should be all vaccinated and boosted. Uh, If people wear high quality masks, even without those other upgrades, which I would like to see, it still is safe uh, for kids and teachers to be back in school. So I think at this point, there's really no good explanation for having remote schools.
1: That's the doctor they had on ABC this week, not just Fox News. On ABC This Week with George Stephanopoulos, the doctor they had on in their opening segment, there's no good reason to keep kids out of school. Tell that know, to Chicago and a su- couple other areas of the country. Oh, please, I have a bunch of headlines about colleges that have gone remote. Oh, yeah, colleges are
0: way, way closing. And, oh, yeah. and that's the sa- the
1: safest group of people in America?
0: You know, we read the, the piece last week. Universities' COVID policies defied science, defy science and reason. Uh, and they do. It's interesting. I know why you threw in that caveat. That wasn't just Fox News, Jack said. I know why you did that, but it's so strange that you have to. It's a question of epidemiology. I mean, it's not like, what's a better system? You know, the free market or, you know, a heavily regulated free market. People could argue for weeks. How many kids are getting sick? Are they spreading it? Is there any danger to them? It's a it's a question of mathematics. My brother, who was
1: in California last twenty four hours um, from the Midwest, where they're not doing things this way, um, was highly amused that the restaurant that we went to last night that we put on our masks to walk from the door to our table, then took our masks off, then put our masks back on at the end of the meal to walk to the door. <laughs> We're the science deniers. We're the ones that don't believe in science, you see.
0: Right, exactly, by going through that quasi-religious ritual. You know, it occurred to me as we were listening to that first clip, which was Dr. Ashish Jha, who's uh, with Brown University. If we wanted to do, you know, and part of me wants to do this, we could do like a stunt segment to get attention where we ran clip after clip after clip For 10 minutes of the nation's leading medical experts, each one saying, there's no reason to have the kids out of school and or get the kids back in school slash college. We could fill a 10-minute segment, and yet by the thousands and thousands, the schools remain closed. Now, some of it I will grant you because I am a fair-minded fellow. That is my hallmark. I, Joe Getty, am fair-minded. Some of it has to do with the schools are so devastated by every all their staff staying home because they got the Omicron, they got nobody in the classrooms. Well, And that well, I will grant you. Staying home because they have the
1: Omicron and we're sticking with the same protocols, that if yes. you test positive you have to be home for a week or whatever.
0: And I'm just saying I don't think we can do that. I just don't think it's going to work. Um, yeah, I think it was on 60 Minutes last night that they briefly, and it, it was not a fundamental part of the... Uh, the story, but it reminded me of something. They mentioned all the kids who've been devastated educationally and you know emotionally uh, because they had to stay home because of the coronavirus. And I swear, as I, I tweeted, uh, I'd like to see a ban on the word "may" in coronavirus uh, headlines, like uh, the latest variant may cause a, ri- a rise in child deaths. Yeah, well, it may not. In fact, it's almost certainly not. I hate that word. In the same way, we can't say the kids were home because of coronavirus. We have to say the kids were kept home because of coronavirus policy. Correct. Policy. Policy. I'm sorry, the coronavirus didn't wreck the economy. Policy did. Now, if you want to talk about whether that was appropriate and right, that's fine. We can have that discussion. But to paint government policy as inevitable as inevitable as gravity, is, is a, it's a form of deceit. It's a form of lying and misleading. It's not true. Oh, well, one more. The, one NFL, more
1: the NFL regular season ended yesterday. They're going to have to figure out their COVID policy because if they're going to stick with the same policy that they had before, like we were just discussing, you're going to have some big stars and some big teams that don't qualify to play in some of these playoff games.
0: Well, I could easily picture in about a week or two, depending on where you are because of the way Omicron has behaved, you're going to have an eight-on-eight game. You know, the Packers going to have, like, 11 healthy guys, and whoever they play will have, like, 14, and they'll agree, well, we can't play 11-on-11. 11 11. Let's play 8-on-8 eight eight like we're a rural high school football program because the Omicron's going to wash over all
1: of us. Going to have a lot of two-way players. Going to have Aaron Rodgers playing defensive back
0: just because you don't have <laughs> enough players. Right. Yeah, well, he knows about, uh, you know, pass defense, right? So, yeah, put him back there. Uh, one more quick note on this sort of thing, just because I thought it was interesting. Ah, uh, this guy who his whole Twitter account is uh, is tracking media bias, and he tweets out and writes about great examples of it. It's a really good follow. Um, but he pointed out he retweeted essentially what Frank Luntz, the pollster, had tweeted in July of 2020, and this is in the wake of Ron DeSantis saying open the damn schools. Frank Luntz, who is generally a conservative pollster. Tweeted the Quinnipiac poll of Floridians: 62% say it will be unsafe to send K-12 students back to school. 56% disapprove of Governor DeSantis' handling of school reopenings. 57% think it will be unsafe for college students to return. DeSantis sent them back anyway with zero negative repercussions, or practically zero. And this, uh, this Twitter account I follow said, remember this, I remember this. DeSantis put what was right above the polls. While the press and partisans created an entirely science free hysteria campaign to suggest opening schools was dangerous, he then overcame a lawsuit from the unions. He was indisputably right, and they were all wrong. If Ron DeSantis plays his cards right, he's the next president of the United States. Whoa. That's, you know, that's a fairly large if, because the crucible jack of presidential politics is uh, famously difficult to get through. But if he can make the case, folks. When a lot of people were panic-stricken, and you were legitimately concerned for your kids, I get that. He should be charitable. He should not, I don't think he should be Trumpy about this. Be charitable. Say, when everybody was panic-stricken, I looked at the numbers and tried to craft a policy based on the science. And our kids in Florida got educated. And they're fine. Me for president. Now he
1: might have a uh, an illegal maid in his past. He didn't pay the taxes on or something. Yeah, we don't. Well, have that'll get him democratic votes. That used to be a problem. Now it's a benefit on the left, anyway. One more COVID thing because we like this number a lot. So we brought you the stat that two out of three people in LA hospitals are there uh, with COVID, COVID. Right. not yeah. because of COVID. You went to the hospital for whatever reason, like me, your gallbladder, or you broke your ankle or whatever. They swab everybody that comes through the door. I know. I was just there recently. And then if you happen to have it along with your broken ankle, it goes down as a COVID case in a hospital, COVID hospitalization. Two-thirds in the L.A. area, New York reported half. So half in New York. So it is the norm that half or more of these cases being reported in hospitals are with not because of. How long do we continue to count cases and hospitalizations like it means anything? I mean, do we have the ability to, to do rational thought at some point?
0: Well, that really, honestly, it brings us to the uh, Brett Baer and Rochelle Walensky clip. that got a ton of attention over the uh, the weekend. Why not? As long as we're talking about it, hit us with clip number 31, Michael.
1: Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID, or how many are with COVID but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown?
0: Yes, of course. With Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to uh, and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. Yeah, when? When I would ask the question a little differently than Brett, because a comorbidity, eh, it's kind of a different question. I mean, if somebody if there was, a you know, a big obese guy and he got the vid and he died, if he would not have died except for the fact that he got the vid, I'm OK counting. That. Sure. Of course. The question I have is how many people with a, a devastating heart attack happen to have the vid and but they would have died anyway. Or, you know, maybe you want to put a number on it. If they were 80% likely to have died even without the vid, I don't want them counted. Because we need facts to craft policy. Not because, you know, Trump said this or Biden said that. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's about do you have the facts to craft logical policy or are you going on emotion? Man, a lot of NFL
1: coaches being fired this morning. If your team sucked, your coach is probably being fired.
0: So, a lot of COVID talk. I I vow no COVID for the next half hour, at least. Coming up, the transgender swimmer from Penn, setting all those records, whooping up on the biological girls. He just got beat by a transgender swimmer. (laughs) Stay with us for the details. Also,
1: I have a Bob Saget nugget. I'll bet you hadn't heard. The late Bob Saget, who died yesterday at age 65. Saget nugget. A Saget Nugget, among among other things. On the way, text line 415-295-KFTC.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Saget. Thank you, and a special welcome
1: to our special one-hour special. This is a salute to boneheads. Thank you.
0: (laughs) One guy. (laughs) How do you know if you're a bonehead, you might ask? Well, you're watching this show, aren't you? I never got to sleep over my friend's houses. Anybody get to do that?
1: You slept over my friend's houses? (laughs) I never got to. I said, Mom, why not? She said, Bob, you have no friends, and you have no life, and I'm not your mother, okay? Don't
0: applaud that. You're scum, buddy. You really are.
1: Bob Saget, huh? So, Bob Saget died. I think everybody knows who Bob Saget is for a variety of reasons. He was the host of America's Funniest Home Videos back in the day. As somebody just tweeted out... Uh, I lost it. Um. Uh, well, I can... I think I got a young people will never know how Bob Saget used to own YouTube and we had to wait for one half hour every week and he would narrate for us. That's basically what it was. It was (laughs) the hottest YouTube videos of the week. Bob Saget would do horrible jokes around videos once a week on what was for a while the number one show in America. And he did that for a long time in printed money. Then he was on Full House, which was also not very funny, and printed money. (laughs) in in each of them extremely wholesome. Extremely wholesome. And um, I remember him as a stand-up comic, like when he was going on Carson and stuff like that. Way back in the day, he was a young, successful stand-up comic, and he was really funny. But then he got on a couple of shows where he was not funny at all and made money hand over fist. What an interesting career that he had to dial down his real talent to do what pleased most of America, I guess the yeah. Walmart crowd
0: or whatever. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking, what what is a good term for the unwashed masses? That's yeah, I don't. Not, like, that's not too insulting, right? I don't. I, I hate to see
1: the Walmart crowd. I shop at Walmart. Um. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know what is a good term. I don't like when they say Middle America because that. Makes it sound like oh the people on the coasts are above or that or sort of thing. Plenty of dumb people on the coast. Give me. me a freaking break, <laughs> or that there aren't people above that sort of stuff in Middle America. So I don't. What is a good term? That's a good one. The unsophisticated
0: mainstream is that ah, late adapters. What do you call them in the uh, in in like polling and stuff? He like was that. so bad on America's funniest home videos. I was completely but, unfunny, but it was one of the most popular shows
1: of the decade it was on through the 90s. And he was the host and got paid gazillions of dollars for it. And it just was horrible. Yes, Michael? They were all the same, too. The videos is always somebody getting kicked in the crotch. Yeah. Largely. So Bob Saget uh, found in a fancy hotel room in, in Florida dead yesterday at age 65. And there's no signs of foul play or drugs at this time, although sometimes
0: that information comes out later. Yeah, indeed. Maybe he's, it's he's, just my hopes that cuz he he was an incredibly funny guy. His his stand-up act was filthy, by the way. That's what just, I always heard. I never heard any of it. I never. Well, I've heard it. his version of the uh, the the, the uh, aristocrat, which was <laughs> I still sometimes I wake up at night and I can't go back to sleep thinking of his version of that uh, famously filthy joke. I mentioned that I had a Bob Saget nugget, I'll bet you
1: hadn't heard. I'll get to that in just a second, but my most recent uh coming in contact with Bob Saget through, you know, the media, he and Norm MacDonald were like best, best friends, like super close best friends. And when Norm MacDonald died a couple of months ago, Bob Saget did an entire hour podcast where he cried and laughed and told stories that I listened to. It was just fantastic. I mean, it was was as heartfelt and personal as anything I've ever heard out of a celebrity is really, really something about how he talked to Norm just like two days earlier and he knew he was sick and just went through their... I didn't know Bob Saget was Canadian, also, and so they they just went through their 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 lives and their history and stuff like that. And it was it was really really good. And I thought, man, I ought to check out more Bob Saget because I still have in in my mind the unfunny guy on Full House and America's Home Funniest Home Videos. And he is obviously a more uh, creative, talented guy than that. But here is something I didn't know: he won an Oscar when he was twenty years old as a student at Temple University. For a documentary that he did about his brother's um, surgeries after a serious car crash. Wow. He made a documentary at college when he was 20 in 1977 and won an Oscar. Did not know that. So he was clearly a very talented
0: dude. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. But uh,
1: have- there, there are rumors floating around that he got his booster shot just like Betty White and John Madden did. Oh just days before they missed both mysteriously died what? Betty White was 99 you don't mysteriously die when you're days from turning 100 there's no well, such thing John as a mystery's big fat guy who was 90 there's no such thing as a mysterious death when you're an 80 year old obese man or a 99 year old anybody here's the mystery what took so long <laughs> It's a little mysterious in the the modern world for a rich guy who's got excellent health care. It's a little odd to die at 65, but it happens.
0: Yeah, sure. Massive heart attack, that sort of thing. Uh, Speaking of his relationship with Norm MacDonald, this is a nice uh, clip here. Norm MacDonald talking about Bob Saget. Clip number eight, Michael. Bob was the first comedian that I ever saw perform uh, when I was a boy, live, and uh, I loved him. Uh, But one thing that bonds us as comedians is we're bitter and jealous and and we hate everyone else that has any success. But Bob, honestly, has never had an unkind word for anybody, and uh, I love him, and I hope uh, everybody else does. So uh, I just want to say that.
1: And it's too bad he got the booster
0: shot. Oh, you're an idiot. What are you trying to do? <laughs> what, what, what are you, Sonia Sotomayor? I'm trying you to you get this mention me. by you're Joy Reid. Yeah, nice. So the transgender swimmer at Penn, U Penn, who's been devastating all the biological girls and setting all the records, got beat the other day. Uh, The person who beat him is pretty interesting. Transgender swimmer as well, but there's a twist. (laughs) (laughs) And the twist is a penis. No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, don't twist that thing. I misspoke. (laughs) Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A lot of people are using the New Year's as an opportunity to take a break from alcohol, aka dry January. Personally, I'm going to do a third of that. I will not be drinking for the eight hours a day that I'm sleeping.
1: But, just for January. (laughs) I like drinking. (laughs) Maybe it should be called Angry January. Or uh, my favorite quote about not drinking uh, from Faulkner, I believe. The dull, flat truth of everyday life that you encounter if you
0: don't get to get intoxicated. I thought of that the other day, actually. Yeah, got well, done as a guy, golf, all my buddies are enjoying a beverage of their choice, and I'm sipping on a nice soda water with lime. It was fine. As a guy who has not had
1: altered reality in uh, 15 years, the dull, flat truth of everyday life takes some getting used to. There's yeah. There's some enjoyment, I think, in knowing you're dealing with reality, but I'm not sure there's a point that you have to. <laughs> I'm not sure that it's necessary.
0: Well, it's kind of nice to take a vacation now and again, whether from your work in your house or your reality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a question of how often if you stop showing up for work or stop showing up for reality, yeah, it tends to have negative consequences. I've got to admit, I'm through the enthusiasm stage of not drinking and uh, into the mild annoyance stage. Is Is this over yet? uh yeah yeah what's the date again honey i asked a couple of times over the weekend why
1: are we even doing this let's rethink this
0: yeah is this necessary but i keep going back to that british study and and there are a lot of reasons that i'm glad i'm doing this because i'm a drinking man i don't deny it um and and i definitely need it for a variety of reasons but that british study that came out a couple of years ago that showed how much good you do your liver how it can Heal itself um, in remarkable fashion if you just take a couple, a few weeks off.
1: It makes sense. It's really good for you. Uh, did you try to convince your uh, golf friends that they should try
0: dry January? Good Lord, no. <laughs> you know me. Actually, this 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 one buddy of mine. He's a, a charming guy. He's uh, from the south, and uh, and I mentioned. I actually mentioned it to to two friends of mine. Uh, one said. He's been for like 20 years from January 1st, from, from New Year's Day to St. Patrick's Day. He hasn't drank. Huh. Two and a half months. Interesting. Which is more than I got in me. And then my other buddy said, he said, you're not going to drink for a month? I said, that's right. He said, I haven't done that since I was 11 years old. <laughs> All right. So That's I have, hilarious. I have, I have three stories for you. Uh, getting back to the theme of I, I don't know what to call the great masses of people who are often good, decent people, but they're fairly unsophisticated and, and just, you know, I, I don't even like to talk about it because I don't want to come off as pretentious. But I have one story for the unwashed masses who think Larry the Cable guy who is is a, an equal to Shakespeare. Hmm. Then I have kind of a middle-brow story.
1: Larry the Cable Guy is way funnier than Bob Saget was on America's Home Videos.
0: I can't put them in oh, the same category. Oh, please. Not even close. Larry the Cable Guy is freaking hilarious, honestly. But he's not you know, equal to Shakespeare. Correct. Anyway, uh, so here's your three stories. We're going to work, work up from y- you don't have to bring many brain cells at all to a little more intellectual. Okay. You're, I'm just going to read this from the New York Post, okay? Britney Spears showed off her butt in a series of sizzling hot photos shared on Instagram Sunday night. I saw that. What a weird aspect of her personality. <laughs> she, she put the ass back in ass back, huh? Am I wrong? <laughs> so she gets Come her on, kids folks, a tough audience tonight. Come on. <laughs> She she gets her money and her kids back, and she
1: shows the world that she's you know ready to be an adult, forty year old mother of several children
0: by constantly showing herself naked in Instagram pics. It's weird. Booty time. The superstar, age forty, wrote, "Well, number one, Brittany, anytime is booty time. Secondly, if she doesn't have the most toned forty year old backside in America, she's in the very very top tier. I congratulate her for that." Well, because I'm that tempted. History.
1: I'm tempted to take a picture of my own bare bottom. Oh Lord! And and use a uh, Facetune and show you what I can do with just the tiniest amount of amateur adjustment ah. to make it look like I'm as
0: fit as her. It's ah. not hard. It's not hard to do. Great point. Great point. You got me. All right, let's move up in intellectual classes just a little bit here for this next story. You know, transgender University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas, who was beating all the biological women and setting records and beating them by astounding. Well, not astounding. She's physically, to a large extent, a dude uh, uh, beating her competitors by uh, laughable margins. Well, she actually whooped up on uh, the the girls in several events, but then lost twice to a transgender competitor, Itzhak Hennig of Yale in a three way meet. Interestingly, Hennig is heading the other direction, from gal to guy. Oh, really? Has not taken the hormones yet, but has had. His breasts removed, you know. I'm I, the whole his, her, he, him, she thing. We'll if get you fired if you get it wrong. Well, I and I come at this with the greatest respect. uh Hennig has delayed hormone treatments to finish his career on Yale's women's team. So, according to the very responsible uh, write up here that I'm reading from. You refer to him as he, even as he competes against girls in women's swimming. And arguably, you know, from a biological point of view, she is more accurate than he at this point. If you don't think what you identify as is rock solid enough to use as, you know, the basis of what word you use.
1: You know, one of the problems I have with this is... um... If uh um god I, I don't always get the terms right and I really worry about you know causing us great problems and I'm I'm not trying to be dismissive or mean-spirited I just I have trouble keeping it straight in my head so the 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 swimmer that's been winning so many swim meets yes who used to be a dude who is now a woman yes the pen the pen
0: person Right, but still brings male ph- physiology to the pool, yes.
1: So, they don't always win gets to be an argument for the other side, and that, that drives me crazy. So, you didn't win every single time against every woman on Earth, then it's okay? That that doesn't make any sense to me. No,
0: that's idiotic.
1: Well, it's it gets used regularly,
0: though. I know it does, and it's idiotic, yeah. It's a commonly heard argument. So, uh, a couple of quotes worth noting. Um, This this, uh, gal on the way to being a guy uh, actually beat Leah Thomas, the former guy, in a couple of events. And to celebrate, pulled down the top of his swimsuit, shocking some parents at the meet. I'll bet. Why he's had his breasts removed... As he swims against women, i 'm telling you I'm tying myself in knots uh, says one UPenn parent who wanted to remain anonymous i wasn 't prepared for that. everything is messed up i can't wrap my head around this. The NCAA needs to do something about this. they need to put science into the decision and the uh, discussion. Another parent said, "A man just crushed the women 's team um and then there's one quote from this hennig uh um i can 't remember." Fellow, um, blah Ba, let me scroll down to the quote, sorry. As a student athlete, coming out as a trans guy put me in a weird position. I could start hormones to align myself with myself more or wait, transition socially, and keep competing on the women's swim team. I decided on the latter, he wrote in an opinion piece. I value my contributions to the team and recognize that my boyhood doesn't hinge on whether there's more or less testosterone running through my veins. At least, that's what I'll try to remember when I put on the women's swimsuit for the competition and am reminded of a self I no longer feel attached to. I'm fine with all of that,
1: except for the competing... All right. the other stuff is fine. You, you you feel like you're actually a woman in one case or a man in the other case, and you want to live what you think you are and all. I'm fine with all of that. Right. I believe that exists. I'm, I'm not arguing that. But why we can't figure out this sports thing, when I think that 90% of us at least are in agreement, why oh, we least. can't figure this out, I still say it's going to take a major Olympic event on the world stage to finally... Force the world to deal with this because everybody else is afraid of it on the lower levels and thinks, you know what, we're going to allow it here in college swimming or pole vaulting or high school track or whatever, because we're not going to fight that fight and die on that hill. But at some point, it's going to have to be dealt with, I think, when it gets to a high level.
0: Well, USA swimming official Cynthia Millen said, quote, it was grossly unfair for biological men to compete with women. Uh, so there are some people calling out the emperor for having no clothes, as it were, but uh, not many for the reasons that you, um, you know, quite accurately described. Uh, yeah, it's going to take something outrageous and the world's going to quickly realize. And again, with the, the whole transgender topic, not children, don't rush children into anything. And you can't compete in women's sports. Other than that, live your life. Be happy. Sure. You know, God bless you. And you um, change your name and your gender, I will call you by whatever you want to be called. Doesn't bother me. Now, I had an, a highbrow story, but we've run out of time for that maybe a little bit later on. We okay. got Britney Spears' butt <laughs> and transgender swimmers in. If that's not enough for you, we apologize. I am going
1: to take a picture of, my, of me naked from behind like Britney oh, did today. God. And then I'm going to alter it through the most available software, and show you how easy it is to do. And I'll look great. It won't look like me.
0: Okay. All right. How about you do it, like, with your face instead? I don't want a... to be hurtful, but nobody wants to see your ass at this point.
1: I'm not going to wear it. Well, not very many people ever wanted to see it. <sighs> that's that's um, right. Let alone it now. Right. Uh, I'm not going to wear the same red thong that Brittany wore. Why not, coward?
0: I suppose I could. Do you own one?
1: (laughs) No, I'd have to get one. Thank you.
0: Really? Really? (laughs) Got some nice boy shorts there, cutie. Do you? Uh Um,
1: We want to talk a little bit about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Secretary of State Blinken was on one of the shows yesterday. He gives me no confidence whatsoever that the Biden administration is uh, ready to deal with this. It was the front page story in the Sunday Times yesterday. That gave me no confidence that we're ready to deal with this. I think Putin's going to get his way. More on that story on the way. I don't know if the decision has been made and it's clear that we've offered him two paths forward. Uh, One is through diplomacy and dialogue. Uh, The other is through uh, deterrence and massive consequences for Russia if it renews its aggression against Ukraine. And we're about to test the proposition of which path uh, President Putin wants to take uh, this week. We have uh, important conversations that are taking place between us directly uh, at NATO. Uh, at the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. Uh, And the question really now is uh, whether uh, President Putin will take the path of diplomacy and dialogue or uh, seeks confrontation. A lot of that kind of talk out of our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, same sort of talk you heard out of the Obama administration, where they seem to feel like some sort of lecturing tone to these various dictator
0: world leaders is going to
1: have any effect. And I
0: just, I don't understand. We've offered them two paths going forward. Mm, Up to him now. So is that for domestic
1: consumption
0: for us? Gotta be. Because you look like you're in control or something. How does that help you, though? I guess you made the case that we offered him the smart choice, and he might take the dumb choice, and we'll just have to see now. Because you're right about that lecturing tone. So the New York Times, they made it their Sunday front
1: page story yesterday, the whole standoff between Russia and Ukraine and the hundreds of thousands of troops at the border and what Putin's likely to do. And uh, David David Sanger and one of the other writers who was involved in it, I really liked the realistic tone that they had in the New York Times versus what I heard out of the Secretary of State yesterday on Face the Nation. And uh, they pointed out something in the New York Times, and I was like, hallelujah, because I've, I've felt like this for years, but... I thought maybe I was missing something. At, at one point in the New York Times story, it said sanctions have, little, have had little deterring effect over the years over various rogue countries. Because I've always said, I think, uh, when is the last time sanctions worked? I just It doesn't seem like they do. It seems like North Korea gets their weapons, or Russia goes into Crimea, or Iran does what they're going to do. All these countries do what they're going to do. Unless you militarily attack them, and and as the New York Times pointed out, sanctions have had little effect on various countries' uh, decision making
0: over the years. Yeah, it makes it look like you're doing something. So, and is I that- suppose you got to exact a cost just to make it clear we're serious. This is uncool and to provide an incentive for either undoing the bad behavior or coming correct eventually. You can undo the sanctions. Uh, But is it insufficient for the moment in most cases? Yeah, almost always. I'm sorry. Blinken was
1: on ABC this week. This, uh, This next report is from Face the Nation to give you a little idea where we are on the whole thing.
0: Here in eastern Ukraine, they've been fighting against Russian-backed separatists since 2014. The big question is what Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, is thinking and what his true objectives are. He claims that Russia is a victim of Western aggression and he's demanding security guarantees in return for defusing these tensions, including rolling back NATO troops from eastern Europe. But here in Ukraine, some people have told us that President Putin is essentially playing a game of chicken, a Cold War style game of brinkmanship that is ratcheting up tensions, trying to extract concessions from the U.S. and its European allies and thereby perhaps extending Russian influence here in Eastern Europe.
1: So while we were on break, uh, Putin gave his yearly speech that he gives um, where, where he lays out a whole bunch of different things. Um, and uh, I I don't remember the name, but one of the U.S. officials that has been involved with Russia through multiple administrations over the years um, uh, uh, watched Putin's speech and said, look, I've been watching Putin's speeches for years. The things he was saying in this speech are radically different than things he said in the past. If he was trying to scare us and get our attention, it certainly worked with me, he said. Because Putin is laying out the kind of argument like, you know, and I... Get the ding ready like Hitler did Um, or others have over the years Ding, Um, where you really lay the groundwork of how you're being cheated. And he had all these fanciful things that have not occurred about the way that the Western world has treated him and all the awful things that the United States and NATO has done to Russia that aren't true. But he's saying them to his own country to lay the groundwork
0: to be able to do whatever he wants to do. Wow, that is straight out of the Chinese playbook. How they've reinvented their history to, to portray every interaction with the United States uh, over the last, you know, 200 years and especially over the last 50 years uh, or 60 years as uh, exploitation and, and cruelty from the United States, not like investing zillions of dollars and giving them all our technology. So that, yeah, that's straight out of Chairman Xi's playbook and, and Hitler's. Good so, company you're in there, Vlad. So Putin's talking
1: crazier than he's ever talked before. He's got all of the groundwork laid. And as, as as people have pointed out, you know, if he's bluffing, this is one very, very expensive bluff because it costs a lot of money to get that many troops and that much armament
0: in place the way he has. I don't know. As a guy who plays cards, I think he's bluffing with a pretty good hand. He's either going to get big concessions from the West about NATO and and whatever else, or he's going to get a big old chunky Ukraine. Either way, he wins. Right. Getting
1: to uh, this other story, U.S. to discuss scaling back military exercises and missile deployments in Europe in Monday's Russia talk. So they talked overnight. And we were already offering up scaling back our military exercises that we've been doing for years and, and uh and some missile deployments that will change the, so that's a
0: that's that's
1: given a lot. So a guy puts a a, a a gun to the head of world the world order and the police of the world order saying, Okay, we'll give you something for that, as opposed to no way, not backing down. The world is not changing. You don't get to take land. Hmm. That's where we are, I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, getting back to the former chancellor of Germany, I don't think Putin is a megalomaniac like Hitler was. I think Putin, he wants to either recapture, re-expand some of the traditional Soviet empire and or he's just a guy with some domestic pressures and inventing an external threat or an external challenge is, is the, you know, it's rule number one if you're under domestic pressure. That's the first thing you do. Well, we will see, won't we?
1: Armstrong and Getty.